today we are gonna go through and talk about the Casanova Killer. Ooh, Casanova. And it was actually said that he was worse than Ted Bundy. Oh my gosh. Um, How can you get worse than Ted Bundy? Apparently he was. I don't know. (laughs) All right, let's hear it. The ladies just loved him. Mm. I've actually not seen a picture of him, so. Um, I have. I'll send it to you. Okay. Um, he did have that kind of smile that was just kind of like, okay, mm-hmm. very trustworthy. Yeah. But, you know. Looked like a normal all-American yeah, just looked like guy. A, not so much all-American, but just kind of like, um, not so much. I feel like Ted Bundy kind of looked like the dad next door. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Like, you know, like the sweet dad next door. And this guy kind of just looked like the single dude next door. <laughs> Okay. You know, <laughs> like he had that little smolder in his eye. Yeah. I'm going to Google him right now. Mm-hmm. Yeah. You will, um, like, if, like if you're getting the first few pictures that come up of like him being arrested, they're not the best pictures, but if you start going through, you will find the best pictures. Okay. Okay. Um, the Casanova killer, uh, his name is Paul John Knowles. He was born April 25th of 1946 in Orlando, Florida. Um, not a whole lot was known about his childhood, except that there were, and I'm just, uh, I believe it was eight children in his home. Oh, okay. Um, his father was very physically abusive to all of the children. Mm. Um, Paul actually ran away a few times as a child and would sleep in the woods, um, and just kind of stay out and go to arcades and things like that all day. That's sad. When he was eventually caught, the last time that he had run away, Mm -hmm. Um, he was taken to the police department and sent, um, he was sent back home. And (laughs) as soon as he got home, the police came back to his door Mm -hmm. and they (laughs) arrested him, Mm -hmm. uh, for stealing a bike while he was, you know, in this little runaway stage he did. Yeah. So they sent him to what they called, um, like a boy school. Mm -hmm. Um, those are usually pretty rough. Yeah. So it was. Like a like juvie, mm-hmm. but they didn't call it that then. Right. So you know that kind of began his life in and out of institutions. Mm-hmm. So he basically just went back and forth between this uh, boys' school and reformatory schools and foster care for the rest of his childhood. Okay. Um, at the age of nineteen, he was first jailed, like in an actual jail, not mm-hmm. just a children's jail. Um, and subsequently, so I can't even talk. Oh my god, <laughs> that's a great word, dude. Subsequent, subsequently, there we go. <laughs> I topped it. I know I can I say it. it. <laughs> okay, Paul was first jailed and subsequently released um, about every six months for the next eight years. Oh my gosh! So, so he was just out, constantly in and, in and out and in and out, just for different burglary and auto theft charges. Like, he just couldn't stop mm-hmm. petty theft and... Can't stop, won't stop. Right. <laughs> like, he was just like, there is so much to steal. Yeah. In early 1974, like, this was a big year for him, okay? Okay. <laughs> this is a big year. In early 1974, Paul was serving time in Rayford Prison in Florida, which is now called uh, Florida State Prison. Okay. I've heard of that. Uh when he began a pen pal relationship with a divorced woman who lived in San Diego, California. Uh, her name is Angela Kovic. Mm-hmm. This woman actually made the trip to the prison to meet Paul in person. 
Uh, when she got to Rayford Prison, however, Paul surprised everyone by popping the question to Angela. Oh, my God. And, of course, she accepted his marriage proposal. Of course. Because <laughs> he's a Casanova. I mean, who wouldn't? He sounds like such a catch. Yeah. You know, in and out of jail his whole life. Yeah. And still in jail at the moment. And, and you become engaged to him. Yeah, and you're like, oh, my God, yes. <laughs> <laughs> uh, no. <laughs> Um, she ended up being super important to Paul's release from prison because she actually paid for all of his legal counsel. Oh, okay. Yeah. So I wonder if that was like his motive. Well, that's what everybody says. They're like, you know, mm-hmm. <laughs> everybody thinks that. But the thing is, after some things happen, mm-hmm. that's when he starts to really go off the rails. Oh, okay. So there's also the thought that maybe he really did love her. Okay. As soon as he was released, um, Paul flew straight to California to be with Angela. Mm-hmm. But <laughs> this is hilarious to me. Okay, oh, no. it's absolutely hilarious. Angela went to see a psychic okay. the week before he came to see her, the uh-huh. week before he came out to be with her. Uh-huh. And this psychic told old Ange there <laughs> to beware of the entry of a new and dangerous man in her life. Oh. Angela ended the relationship and called off the wedding right then, as soon as he got there to see her. Oh, my gosh. So she's... This chick needed a psychic to tell her that a man she met as a prison pen pal with a long rap sheet and zero intent on changing what Mm -hmm. he was doing was a bad idea to me. Was a bad idea. Yeah. So the psychic convinced her, not the psychic did. And I literally put in these notes, (laughs) and I thought I ignored the red flags. Yeah. Okay. Um, John was heartbroken by the rejection of his woman, so he went back to Jacksonville, Florida. Uh, Soon after his return, John was arrested for stabbing a bartender during a fight. Oh no! Uh, This dude picked the lock on his jail cell door and escaped on July twenty sixth of nineteen seventy four. Casanova did. Casanova. He picked the lock. He picked the lock to his jail cell door. Oh, my. And this is the night that it all starts. Okay. July 26, 1974. Okay. That night in Jacksonville, John broke into the home of a 65-year-old woman named Alice Alice Curtis. He bound and gagged the woman and completely tore her house up looking for money and anything valuable. Then Paul stole Alice's car. Unfortunately... Paul left Alice bound and gagged, and this caused her to choke to death on her own dentures from the gag pushing on them and loosening them. Oh, no. Paul soon realized he would have to abandon the vehicle he stole because the police started broadcasting him as a fugitive, and they had discovered that he murdered Alice. Oh, my gosh. So he didn't even know that he did. No. Um, On August 1st, 1974... 11-year-old Lillian Anderson and 7-year-old Milette Anderson were playing on the street where Paul wanted to abandon the car that he stole from Alice. Mm-hmm. Um, but since these two children were um, kind of family acquaintances, mm-hmm. he couldn't just let them see him leave the car there and risk them reporting seeing him. Okay. Because they would tell. Right. Because they knew his face mm-hmm. and they would have been like, oh, hey, yeah, we saw him. Yeah. Um. So... Paul kept the car a bit longer, kidnapped the sisters, and strangled them to death. He disposed of their little bodies in a swamp that was nearby so no one would find them, and their bodies were never found. Oh, that's awful. Um, August 1st, 1974, 
Paul claims he picked up a teenage hitchhiker in Warner Robins, Georgia. He said that he raped her and then murdered her by strangulation. This teenager was 13-year-old Ima Jean Sanders. Her remains were not identified until the Georgia Bureau of Investigation, or the GBI. Mm -hmm. They identified her on December 21st of 2011. Oh my gosh. Ima had ran away from home in July of 1974 in Belmont, Texas, and had made it to Warner Robins, Georgia. Her remains were found in the woods off of a hiking trail a couple of years after she actually went missing. Oh my gosh. So it took them that long to identify her, It though? took them that long to actually identify her because she was just considered a runaway. Yeah. Um, August 2nd. Well, he didn't wait around. <laughs> no. August 2nd, 1974, Paul met a woman in Atlantic Beach, Florida. Yeah, Atlantic Beach, Florida, named Marjorie Howe. She was 49 years old. The two of them went back to her apartment, and it was not known if she was forced to take him to her, like, into her home, mm-hmm. or if she was, um, like, she invited him willingly. Uh-huh. But, you know, seeing as he is known as the Casanova Killer... He probably charmed her. Most people think that, you know, it was a willing invite. Mm-hmm. Like, that he was charming her and, you know, because people were comparing his looks at that, like, to movie stars at that time. Uh-huh. Um, once back at her apartment, Paul strangled Marjorie with a pair of her pantyhose and then stole her TV. Oh, my gosh. Um, August 23rd, 1974, Paul forced his way into Kathy Sue Pierce's home in, I think it's Musella, Georgia. Uh, I might be pronouncing that town name wrong. I'm not okay. sure. Um, Paul strangled Kathy with a cut telephone cord in her bathroom. Um, Kathy's son was home, who was only three years old oh, at the no. time. And he didn't even try to hurt the boy. Okay, well, that's He good. was completely left unharmed. Good. Which nobody really knows why. Yeah, like he killed those other two girls. Yeah, he killed the... But the only guess is is that maybe, you know, the little boy didn't have any idea who he was. Right. So he couldn't identify him if he wanted to. Right. Um, on September 3rd of 1974, in Lima, Ohio... Listen, this dude got around. Yeah, he's jumping from, like, yes. state to state. Mm-hmm. That's insane. In Lima, Ohio, Paul met 32-year-old William Bates at a roadside pub called Scott's Inn. William was a regular there, so the bartender knew him and remembered that he had several drinks with a young redheaded man, mm-hmm. and they left together. Okay. And in most of those pictures that you've seen are kind of black and white. You can't even tell that he's got red hair. Right. Yeah, I didn't know he had red hair. Um, so, and I don't know if you've ever noticed, but I have a redhead kid. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> um, and redheads get so much attention. Yes. <laughs> don't be a murderer if you're a redhead. <laughs> Someone will point you out. Right? Somebody will notice you. Yeah. <laughs> um, but that also makes sense as to why everybody thought he was so gorgeous. Yeah, because he was a redhead. Yeah. My baby's got some beautiful red hair. <laughs> <Yes>. <laughs> Sorry. Anyway. Um, well, William's wife filed a missing persons report on him, and police discovered that William's car was missing, but found an abandoned Dodge Dart that came back belonging to Alice Curtis. If you remember, Ooh. he had taken Alice's car. Car, yeah. Um, in October, William's body was found completely naked, and he had been strangled and left in the woods. Oh. So were so any his, of these crimes, like, sexually motivated, or? Well, the thing is, is some of them were. This uh, The one on William didn't say if he had been sexually assaulted or anything like that. Mm-hmm. Um, but as a matter of fact, a lot of times, 
that I've read from any of the ones from in the 70s, they mm-hmm. don't mention if a lot of men had been sexually assaulted. Right. They only will mention it if it was a woman. A woman. So I don't even know if they checked. Right. <laughs> right. You know? But I do know in some things that I read and part of the documentary that I watched mm-hmm. that um, they do believe that he was gay. Okay. And didn't want to come out. Oh, okay. And didn't want anyone to know. Mm-hmm. Um, like that was a, a thing for him. Right. Like a... A big stigma. Okay. Um, September 18th, 1974. Paul has now made it to a campground in, I don't know if it's Eli or Ellie, Nevada. This is where he meets an elderly couple, Emmett and Lois Johnson. Paul binds both Emmett and Lois and shoots them both. He steals their credit cards and uses them to pay for any expenses he has for the next little bit. Uh, police actually didn't have any leads on these murders because they seemed so random until Paul actually confessed to killing them later on after his arrest. Oh, my. Because it was kind of out of his way and right. slightly out of his norm. It. Yeah. You, you, I mean, I'm sure you've noticed that, too, that <laughs> back then a lot of these people, like when they went from city to city or even, yeah. I mean, even just city to city. It didn't even have to be state to state. State to state, right. Like, their murders were not connected to one another. The police stations were not um, communicating. Right, they were very bad at communication. <laughs> um, September 21st, 1974, Paul sees um, Charlene Hicks in, Se- I can't pronounce it, is it Seguin? Seguin, yeah. Seguin, Texas, after her motorcycle breaks down. She is stranded and no one is stopping to help her. There weren't any cell phones back then, so he just kidnaps her off the side of the road. Ugh. Um, yeah. Ugh. Paul raped Charlene before strangling her to death with her own pantyhose. Guys, don't wear pantyhose. Don't wear pantyhose. Yeah, I was going <laughs> to say, do not wear pantyhose. Um, then he dragged her dead body through a barbed wire fence. Oh, no. And Charlene's body, or Charlene's body, I'm sorry, wasn't found until about four days later. Uh, September 29th, 1974. Paul met Ann Dawson, a beautician in Birmingham, Alabama, six days, um, or six days before this. Um, again, he is not, it is not known if Ann went willingly along with Paul or if she was forced, but, you know, as with the others, it is assumed mm-hmm. that it was a willing. Willingly. Willing participant um, <laughs> at first. Right, at first, yeah. <laughs> um, Anne paid for everything during these six days while they traveled together. Um, Paul says that he murdered Anne and threw her body into the Mississippi River. And Anne's body was never discovered. It's oh, awful. Yes. <laughs> so, like, he's really just using these women. Um, for their money. Yeah, and- he kidnaps them. He will use them. Um as much as he can to get their money. Um, and then he kills them. Yeah. And then he just, he's like, okay, I'm done with you. Yeah. Um, or, you know, as in the case with the old people at the mm-hmm. campground, he just straight up kills them and just takes everything they have and just takes uses the their credit, credit cards. cards and uses them because it wasn't as easy to track as it is now. Right. It took like a good month for you to get your statement. And then that's when you found out where something had been used. And by that time he's long gone. Oh yeah. Okay. October 16th, 1974, uh, Paul invaded the home of Karen Wine in Marlboro, Connecticut. Um, Karen's 16-year-old daughter, Dawn, was also home. 
Paul tied both of them up and raped them. Uh, when he was finished, he strangled them to death with a pair of pantyhose. There's the pantyhose. Karen's older daughter. I can't say daughter. <laughs> <laughs> Karen's older daughter, Cheryl Wan, discovered the bodies of her mother and sister. I mean, can you imagine that? No. Just coming to visit your mom and your sister and you walk in and find No. Mm-mm. Uh, the only thing missing from their home was a tape recorder. Tape recorder. Hmm. Uh, <laughs> that'll come into play in a little bit. Okay, I figured it would. Um, October 18th, 1974. By this time, Paul has made it to Woodford, Virginia, where he breaks into the home of 53-year-old Doris Hovey and uses her husband's rifle to shoot and kill her. <gasps> He wiped his fingerprints from the gun and placed it beside of her body. The police could find no motive and there were no suggestions of a robbery at the scene. So if he hadn't admitted to this one, they wouldn't have known. They would have had no clue. Oh my gosh. Um, Paul was actually still driving one of his victim's cars, uh, William Bates, mm-hmm. when he picked up two hitchhikers in Key West, Florida. His original plan uh, to kill them was kind of fucked up by a uh, minor traffic violation that caused him to be pulled over by police. Okay. Seeing as this officer didn't know who Paul was, <clears throat> he actually let him go with a warning. Oh, no. Uh, this was just a bit too close for comfort for Paul, so he dropped off his intended victims in Miami, Florida. Oh, good. You want to talk about the two luckiest people in 1974? Yeah. That was them right there. Super lucky. Can you imagine? No, I was going to say being them and like finding out. Like, oh my gosh, that could have been us. I mean, legit. Could you think about that? No. Also, still, don't hitchhike. Don't hitchhike. Don't wear pantyhose. Don't wear pantyhose. (laughs) We always have a nice uh, (laughs) lesson to be learned. Yeah. Um. Well, this is when he does something strange. Mm -hmm. Uh, Paul contacts his lawyer. Now, remember, he's still a fugitive after picking the lock in his jail cell. Right. He's still on the run. He's still on the run for that. They don't have him um, or even suspect him for most of these murders. Okay. Uh, But Paul did not accept the advice his lawyer gave him, which was to surrender. Like Mm -hmm. his his lawyer was like, well, what do you want to do? You know, dude, I'll help you. Yeah. You know, surrender. I'll help you turn yourself in. Whatever you want me to do, I'll help you with that. Yeah. And... He did, however, want to meet up with his lawyer face to face. So he didn't. He didn't spend very long with him, uh, just long enough to give him a um, some tapes, okay, like some audio tapes, mm-hmm. um, not like VHS, but you know the cassette tapes, like little cassette tapes. <laughs> I just want to make that clear for people that don't know what tapes are. Yeah, <laughs> cassette tapes. Yes, um, and then Paul disappeared before anyone could tell the police he was there. Okay. On November 6th of 1974. Well, before I say this, if you remember the um, tape recorder that mm-hmm. was stolen from the one home. Yes. That's where <laughs> he gave it. That's how he uh, recorded himself. Okay. To give to the lawyer. Gotcha. Uh, November 6th, 1974. Carswell Carr and Paul befriended one another in Milledgeville, Georgia. After being friends for a bit, Carswell invited Paul to spend the night at his house. It was assumed that this was for a homosexual encounter. Okay. Um, you know, nowadays nobody would even bat an eye. Right. 
It's not even a big deal. Um, but Paul actually stabbed Carswell over drinks at his home. Mm-hmm. Um, this was presumably in the bedroom because this is where Carswell was found. Was found. Um, Paul stabbed Carswell um, with a pair of scissors. And he had stabbed him so many times that the tip of the scissors actually broke off. <gasps> and he continued stabbing after that. Oh. Um, and then he just laid there, or he just stayed and watched, <laughs> um, watched this man bleed out. Oh my gosh. And he, the man also had a heart attack while he was laying there bleeding out. But he had actually bled so much that he bled through his entire mattress. Oh. Like that's how many times he had been stabbed. Oh my gosh, that's awful. Um, Paul then proceeded to find Carswell's 15 year old daughter. <gasps> no. Who was also in the home. Strangled her to death, and then he decided to try and rape <gasps> the dead teenager's body. Oh. Uh, he was reportedly unsuccessful at this. Okay, well, good. Now, there was a few things in here that said that he did have some issues with impotence. Okay. But I also think that that has to do with his homosexual issues. Okay, right. Like where he didn't want to admit it to himself. And also the fact that apparently he lacked dead bodies. Oh, <laughs> uh, yeah. Um, November 8th, 1974. Um, Paul met a British journalist named Sandy Fox in Atlanta, uh, Atlanta, Georgia, Mm -hmm. while he was um, out hopping bars one night. Um, Sandy said that he was a very handsome man and that they actually spent the night together, but Paul was unable to perform sexually even after many attempts. Oh. Um, He was just unable to get an erection. Okay. They actually spent a few days together, but she left without anything happening to her. Thank goodness. Um, now, she actually has a book. Oh, about She this. wrote an entire book about her time with him. Okay. I'll have to check that out. Um, I'm going to read that book, but I'm a procrastinator. <laughs> <laughs> Me too. <laughs> that I, I downloaded this book and uh, meant to read it, <clears throat> uh-huh. and I just didn't do okay, it. <laughs> so maybe we can do a little follow-up We can do an update. And update <laughs> on that book. Yeah. <laughs> um. On November 10th of 74, uh, Paul picked up a woman named Susan McKenzie, who actually knew Sandy. Um, Paul actually tried to demand sex from Susan at gunpoint. But somehow, Susan managed to escape from him and reported him to the police. Um, It was just a patrolman that happened to be out. Mm -hmm. Um, A patrolman tried to stop Paul, and he brandished a sawed-off shotgun at him. And he was able to escape by running away. Oh, no. Um, In West Palm Beach, Florida, Paul broke into the home of Beverly Maybe, a woman who was handicapped because she had cerebral palsy. Okay. Um, He tied her up and gagged her. Um, Not long after he got her tied up, her sister, Barbara, came home with her son, Paul. Or with her son. I'm sorry. Uh With her son. So Paul tied the son up in his own bedroom. Because the sister Barbara mm-hmm. uh, lived with Beverly to take okay. care of her. Because um, she was unable to take care of herself. Okay. So he ties the son up in his bedroom. And then um, Barbara insisted that he take that she let her go see her sister. Okay. So he actually tells her, don't turn around. And she was like, fuck you. Yeah. She turns around. Yeah. <laughs> and she stares him dead in the eyes. Yeah. And she walks straight to her sister's bedroom. Yeah. Because that's where she was tied up at. Okay. I feel like this woman's got some balls. Yeah. <laughs> Don't she's, tell me not to turn she's around. She's also kind of an idiot. 
Yeah. But she also had some balls. Yeah. Like, I don't know which one. like Which one I would do in that situation. Yeah. Yeah. Like, no offense to her at all. Yeah. None whatsoever, because I have no idea what I would do in that situation. I have no idea. But, like, just looking in on from the outside. Yeah. <laughs> you're kind of like, oh, my God, don't do that. But yeah. then again. But if he's going to kill you anyways. Right. But then again, it kind of worked out for her. So, okay. So, Barbara insists that he takes the gag out of her sister's mouth because she was handicapped and her mouth was bleeding. Okay. Um, so, Paul um, lets her take the gag out of her sister's mouth. Mm-hmm. Um, and then he takes the keys to Barbara's car and he tells her she's going with him. That Barbara is? Yes, that okay. Barbara is going with him. Um, he actually drove to Fort Pierce, Florida and got a motel room and told her while they were checking, like before they get out of the car, he said, you're mm-hmm. going to act like we're married. Okay. When they go in to check in. He gets in the hotel room and tied her up and tries to rape her. But she says he wasn't even able to get an erection, so she doesn't really count it as rape. Okay. She says that he wasn't like a real man. Mm-hmm. Oh, God. These were her words. Oh, my God. <laughs> in this documentary that I watched. She was in this documentary. Okay. And she says he wasn't like a real man. Mm-hmm. Couldn't get an erection. <laughs> because he was unable to get an erection. I don't actually count that as rape. Okay. Because he wasn't able to actually do anything. Okay. I mean, I'm sure it was still very traumatic. Traumatic. Yeah. And I'm kind of glad he couldn't. Yeah. <laughs> For her sake, especially, you know? Exactly. Um. So he tries to rape her, but he couldn't get the erection. So she says that he actually tied her up kind of loose. Mm-hmm. And he left the keys by the um, table on the bedside. And so when he went in the bathroom to shower, mm-hmm. she got a hold of the keys and was able to saw at the sheet. Like he had tied her up with a sheet that he had like mm-hmm. torn and he tied her up with that. Um, so she was able to kind of saw at the sheet that he had tied her up with. Yeah. <clears throat> and she was able to escape. Oh, good. Um, <laughs> he actually, um, he, the fact that she lived, she thinks is the only reason that he let her live mm-hmm. is because, um, she worked as a copywriter. Okay. And the whole time that she was being held captive and they were driving there, mm-hmm. he was telling her about how he wanted to, um, write a book and become famous. Oh, from what he had done? For all of the murders that he had done. And he found out that she was a copywriter. Yeah. So that she was in the industry. Right. So he she believes still to the, you know, still that yeah. that is the reason why he w- did not murder her right away. But she said that she just couldn't wrap her mind around it like him thinking that he could be famous for killing somebody. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. But he said that he wanted to be more famous than Bundy. Oh. Well, I've never heard of him, so exactly. He did not succeed. That's why I kind of didn't even want to <clears throat> do this episode. Yeah, because I was like, then I'm bringing more fame. What to, like, he wanted. Yeah, but but it's still good to tell the victim's story. Exactly. This isn't really about him. This is. I mean, it is, but I like the ending, so I'm going to continue. Okay. Well, I'm I'm ready to hear it. <laughs> <laughs> um, on November seventeenth, nineteen seventy four. Florida Highway Patrol troopers Charles Eugene Campbell recognized the stolen car that Paul was driving and attempted to make an arrest near Perry, Florida. He was by himself, though. Okay. Um, Unfortunately, when Paul pulled the car over, he wrestled with the trooper or with Trooper Campbell and manages to take his gun away from him. Oh, no. Paul then takes the officer hostage and forces him to get back into his own patrol car. Oh, no. 
Paul, wonderful man that he is. Mm-hmm. That was sarcasm, by the way, mm-hmm. just in case nobody got it. <laughs> um, then uses the lights and siren to pull another car over. Oh, no. And this car was driven by James Meyer. He took his new two hostages mm-hmm. into a wooded area in Pulaski County, Georgia, mm-hmm. where they were secluded. And Paul then handcuffed the men together around a smaller tree. Uh-huh. And then he shot them both in the oh. head with Trooper Campbell's gun at close range. Oh, no. He is terrible. <laughs> He's awful. He's absolutely awful. Oh, like he he's killing children, women, men, like handicapped. He don't care. Yeah, he has no remorse for any of this at all. Paul then uses James's car to flee the scene. Like that's all he wanted was mm-hmm. to use the cop's car to pull somebody else over to steal their car. But okay. he had to kill the cop and the dude so that he, to get the car. Yeah, to get the car so that they couldn't report him. Okay, which is stupidly smart. Yeah, I hate that, that was smart. Yeah. Um, he actually tried to crash through a police roadblock in Henry County, Georgia, because at this point they don't realize what vehicle he's in. Right. But they know that he's on this specific road because they like the um, the state trooper uh-huh. had already radioed in that he thought it was him. Oh, okay, okay. Um, so he tries to crash through a roadblock in Henry County, Georgia. He failed. At this, and ended up crashing the car into a tree after losing control of the car. (laughs) He actually got away on foot while shooting at the police who were running after him. Mm -hmm. They even had tracking dogs, helicopters, and several law enforcement establishments out searching for him on foot after this. Okay. But guess what? (laughs) What? It was an armed citizen. An armed civilian. He was actually several miles away from the search perimeter, uh-huh. who uses a shotgun and captured Paul. Oh, my gosh. He brought him inside of his home uh-huh. because he found him on his property. Right. Uh, he brings him inside at <laughs> And this is at Georgia, gunpoint. right? This is in Georgia. Okay. Brings him inside at gunpoint, sits him down in a chair, <laughs> calls the police and says, uh, I've got Paul held down in my home. Come get him. <laughs> if you want him, come get him. Um, but they, everyone says that, you know, if Paul could have easily escaped if this man hadn't captured him. Yeah. So well, this was goodness. just a random guy. Yeah. Just living his life and was like, uh, this fucker's on my property. Yeah. <laughs> no, thank you. You're not getting on my property. No. Um, on December 18th, 1974, Paul was being taken to Henry County, Georgia. By Agent Ronnie Angel from the GBI and Sheriff Earl Lee. He, so he could show them where to recover the pistol he had killed Eugene Campbell and James Meyer with because that's where he said he had disposed of it. Mm-hmm. During this car ride, Paul reaches forward grabbing Sheriff Lee's gun, discharging it through the holster. <gasps> Sheriff Lee and Paul struggled for the gun while the sheriff tried to keep the car under control since he was driving. GBI agent Angel turned and fired three shots into Paul's chest, killing him instantly. Oh, my gosh. Told you this was my favorite part. (gasps) Oh, my. (laughs) But it was actually said that he didn't think that he would be, like, that he didn't even think he would be arrested. Uh Uh-huh. Because he said he would, he thought he would be shot before he would be arrested. 
Okay. He didn't plan on ever being arrested. Oh, okay. Like he would rather just. So go he didn't care what he did. He no, he hadn't. To... He didn't care at all. He was like, "No, fuck this shit. I would rather be shot than go to jail." Yeah, I'd rather die. Yeah. How about you just don't do all this crap that you did? Exactly. And then you won't have to worry about it. Um, Paul actually had, if you remember the uh, tapes that he gave his lawyer. The tapes, yes. Yeah. What was Paul all those had tapes? confession tapes that he gave to his lawyer mm. with specific instructions not to release them until after his death. Okay. He admitted to raping and killing men, women, and children all across the United States. Up to 35. Oh, my gosh. These tapes were heard by the grand jury deciding if there would be enough evidence to go to trial. Um, they're in Georgia. Mm-hmm. Um, but unfortunately, there was a flood and a fire in Macon County, Georgia courthouse. Of course. So the original tapes were destroyed. But there was a second set of tapes. <gasps> That the, the lawyer, lawyer make. Oh, okay. Good, good, good. Um, that he wasn't supposed to make. Oh. <laughs> but he did anyway. Oh, well, good. And you can actually hear a few excerpts from them on the documentary that I watched. Mm-hmm. Um, the documentary is on YouTube. Okay. Um, and he seems like a very sad and depressed person. He even says um, like one specific quote from it mm-hmm. that I just don't think I'll ever forget mm-hmm. <laughs> is talking about like growing up. They ask him if you could ever change anything, like go back and change anything, would you? Mm-hmm. And he says, like, one thing that he says is, like, um, if I could go back, I just wouldn't. Mm-hmm. Like, I just wouldn't live again. Oh. And the one thing that really sticks out to me is he says, there wasn't a lack of love, but they just didn't give a damn. Hmm. That's odd. Yeah. Like, they loved him, but they just didn't care about him. Yeah. And um, here I've got some fun facts for you. Okay. Just a few here. (laughs) Uh, Dozer School for Boys is actually where Paul was. um, That was the uh, boy school Mm -hmm. that he was sent to as a child. Um, Apparently, they would beat all of the children there for any any reason, basically. Yeah. And in 2013, there was an investigation done on him. Uh And they found 50 unmarked graves of children (gasps) that had been killed while they were kept there. Oh, my gosh. Yes. 50 unmarked graves. That's that's a whole, like, case on its own. I know. That's why I made sure to put that in there. Oh, my gosh. Um, Another fun fact here. Um, Just also to kind of, because a lot of this stuff didn't really sound a lot like a Casanova or someone that could really get through. And so I really needed to add this in here. Um, Jackie Knott was an ex-girlfriend of his Mm -hmm. um, just from years before. Mm -hmm. Um, And he actually stayed with her during 1974. Okay. Um, Not just 74, but, you know, during years before. Yeah. Off and on. Um, just off and on. Like, he would crash on the couch. Mm-hmm. Um, I mean, that's what she says. Yeah. <laughs> you know how exes you never can know. be. Um, he would even babysit her children while she ran out to pay bills or go to the grocery store. That's scary. Um, he slept on the couch. He always helped her with her kids as far as making sure they had good gifts and a good time for Christmas or birthdays. Okay. Uh, he made sure that they all had everything they needed for school. Mm-hmm. Like he made sure they had school clothes. He made sure that they had uh, pencils, paper, backpacks. It's very odd. Mm-hmm. Um, she had no idea what was going on. Um, she had no 
no clue that he was going out and raping or killing anybody. Mm-hmm. Um, Jackie worried after everything came out about what he did and was worried that people would think she was a horrible person and think that she knew some like any of it that was going on. Yeah. Or like even worse that she helped him. Yeah. Um, and she had no idea. And she had no clue because yeah. he was always like this really sweet person that made sure that everybody in the house had everything they needed. Yeah. You know, if the kids happened to need, you know, extra clothes or they grew really fast, you know how kids do. Yeah. He would make sure that she had the money or would go out himself and buy the clothes. Yeah. Um, she also worried that people would think that she was a horrible parent for letting him around her children. Yeah. Um. But Hopefully he never did anything to he didn't. the children. He didn't, apparently. These yeah. kids loved him. Yeah. Um, but, you know, he had always been such a great person to her and her kids. Mm-hmm. Like, she had no clue. And the kids had no clue. Most of the people that interacted yeah. with him on a day-to-day basis, other than him going to jail for, you know, petty theft and right. things like that. because he was in and out for stuff like right. that. Um, like, everybody knew that. But as far as, you know, people can do shitty things and still be good people. Yeah. um that's basically what she was saying right like he was like you know he would do bad things but he was a good person right so she never would have suspected this that he would be a killer right like she's like i think something just must have snapped him you know yeah well it was angela yeah absolutely and that's why everybody's like well (laughs) something obviously snapped yeah but i think that maybe angela was his you know last hope for someone right and that didn't work out, so he's like, just mm-hmm. screw it. Yeah. I think he was just like, well, I give up. Oh, <laughs> mm-hmm. uh, but that is my little presentation Casanova. on the Casanova Killer. Wow. Yeah, he's pretty pretty awful. Yeah. I didn't know about that one. It was pretty interesting to uh, to research, I have to say. Yeah. I was surprised a yeah. few times. Yeah. See. Well, we hope you enjoyed that and meet us back next week. It'll be my turn. Um, I think I'm going to continue with the little mini series on the child killers. So we'll see. Mine only slightly went into children. Yeah. (laughs) So we'll, uh, we'll see you next week. Bye. Bye.